0: Welcome to Coffee Contrails. This is Maria by Helene Sinclair. Maria. In the summer of 1966, I ran away from LA to New York City. By the second day, I got an apartment, a sublet of a sublet for $100 a month. 71st and Broadway. Not the best location, but What did I know? It was supposed to be $150 a month, but since that's all the money I had to my name, the guy got the landlady to agree to $100 if he paid the rest. Because I'm so smart, I realized I needed to get a job to pay for the apartment and food in the future. So I went out into the 104 degree muggy weather to an agency that guaranteed to get you a job if you give them your first your second week's paycheck. I told the guy about my measly job experience, which included typing for a company in Santa Monica that sold hair conditioners. There were four kinds, one of which looked like sperm. I omitted that little detail. Then I listened as he called a prospective job for me and said, yeah, I have a, here a, a lovely little lady from California who, who types 70 words a minute on electric typewriter. I waved my arms in protest. He waved me away. Why did you lie? I can't do that. I've never even seen an electric typewriter. And 70 words a minute? Ah, eh, you'll do fine. You have an interview tomorrow morning at 10 a.m., 500 Fifth Avenue, Business Film Association. Be there. I didn't realize how prestigious it was until I got to the building. The film association was on the sixth floor. I walked in and a receptionist with a tight perm of slightly blue hair and long fingers looked me up and down as if I were an insect. I told her my name and she called someone on the switchboard to come from the back. Suddenly, I was looking at a beautiful Puerto Rican woman with jet black hair, a gold cross, deep red lipstick, big gold earrings, a shocking pink suit, lovely brown skin, black high heels, and I kid you not, a lit cigarette in a long, black, shiny cigarette holder. I'm Maria. Follow me. I'm going to give you a typing test. She turned and marched down a long corridor. I followed. She motioned for me to sit down in front of an electric typewriter. You're going to type scripts. That's the job. You can't make any mistakes. Mr. Parsons doesn't allow it. And don't think you can use correcto tape. If you do, Mr. Parsons will hold up the script to the light and rip it up in your face. Got it? She put down the script and some paper next to the typewriter. I looked at the typewriter, the front and the side. I didn't know how to put in the paper or how to turn it on. Um, I don't think we have this kind of typewriter in California. Maria's eyebrows raised. She took a long drag off her cigarette. Oh, yeah? Okay, sweetheart, I'll put in the paper for you and turn it on. Typewriter made a humming noise. Okay, you could start now, and remember, no mistakes. She took another long drag off a cigarette. I leaned over and put my fingers on the keys. What? Suddenly there were several letters on the paper. I didn't mean to type those letters. I looked up at Maria. You're nervous, sweetheart. Start over. I put my fingers on the keyboard again. Damn! It happened again! More letters went up there that made no sense. I slumped in my chair, tears welling up in my eyes. I'm sorry. He lied to you. They probably do have this kind of typewriter in California, only I've never seen one. I don't know how to type on an electric typewriter. I can type, but on a regular kind of typewriter. And 70 words a minute? I can maybe type 50, but no mistakes. Listen, I'm 3,000 miles away from home. I barely told my parents I was leaving. I don't know how I'm going to pay for this apartment now. I'm sorry. Maria took another long drag off her cigarette and fingered her gold cross. Listen, sweetheart, we're going to be interviewing a lot of people for this job. But if we don't find anybody in three days, we'll give you a chance. I'm not making any promises, so don't get your hopes up, but call me in three days. I walked outside into the 104-degree heat, defeated I walked past the New York City Public Library and thought they might have air-conditioning in there, so I went inside. Ah, yes, it was air-conditioned. And there was a room off to the side that had electric typewriters in it with slots for quarters. You could type for 20 minutes for 25 cents and they give you the paper. I stayed there and practiced typing for three hours and went back again the next day. I used up $10. Considering I had about $15 left to last me until the end of the month or forever, for all that I knew, that was a big deal. On day three, I went up to a phone booth a block away from 505th Avenue and called Maria. Hi, Maria. I'm Helene Simkin, you know, the girl from California. You will? Really? How soon? Well, I'm just a block away. I I could be there in five minutes. I earned $66.23 a week. To me, that was a lot of money. I didn't eat much the first month, though, because I was afraid to. I basically lived on scrambled eggs and Oscar Mayer wieners. I'd stand over the stove, stab a wiener with a fork, and cook it over the burner. Then I'd eat it standing up. I also found some instant coffee, Nestle's, in the apartment which was fully furnished. I used that up fast. One reason I loved my job was I got to clean up the staff lounge. Now, those of you who know me know I don't like to clean much, but since I was starving, this was the ideal job for me. At 3.30 in the afternoon, I went in there, and after a brief and more than likely inefficient cleaning job, I helped myself to the saltines and hot chocolate mix in the cupboard above the sink. I didn't have time to make the hot chocolate, so I just emptied a packet into my mouth, which was already stuffed with way too many saltines. Once, after I had stuffed my mouth, I saw, by looking in the mirror above the sink, August K. Cap, the vice president of the company, open the door to the break room. Our eyes met, and I began to choke uncontrollably. Saltines and hot chocolate powder spewed forth onto the mirror above the sink, while Mr. Cap kindly backed out, closed the door, and left me to my coughing misery. He was such a nice man. He had that southern politeness. I did have to type scripts, and perfectly. And yes, Mr. Parsons did rip up a script or two in my face, when he saw that i had used correcto type for the first month or two i would make a mistake when i would make a mistake i thought nobody was looking maybe and then i'd stuff the paper into my purse i stuffed many pieces into my purse and at the end of the day i had the fattest purse in the elevator Another weird part of the job was helping Avis Sorgren. Mr. Parson's secretary served pastries and coffee to the clients who were viewing their films in the screening room. Invariably, the two of us would get our asses pinched, and there was nothing we could do about it. Avis was a tall, beautiful, Scandinavian-looking woman who wore mohair sweaters and tight, pastel-colored skirts with her suede pumps. She had big blue eyes and ash-blonde hair always done perfectly up, in what was called then an updo. The only thing amiss about Avis Sorgren were her fingernails. They were bitten to the quick. Once I asked Avis how it was to work for Mr. Parsons. Well, he's very exacting, as you know. Every morning I have to serve him a Danish in the middle of the tray, with one cup of coffee to its left that has two sugars and one tablespoon of cream. There also has to be a tri-folded napkin just to the left of the plate as well. If it's not perfect, he yells and makes me do it over again. Oh. Once in a while, Mr. Parsons would conduct an office party. We would dutifully line up and walk into his vast office where folding chairs would be lined up against the walls. I'm sure Avis had to do that. Then we would sit cautiously in our chairs and wait to be offered Hawaiian punch and cookies. After sitting back down, we would try to laugh at Mr. Parsons' jokes. I'm not sure who was more uncomfortable, Mr. Parsons or us. After a month or two, they decided to send me to switchboard school so I could take over for Mrs. Gilda Steinmetz on her breaks. She wasn't very happy about this at all. I think she thought I wanted her job. Little did she know I'd rather stick needles in my eyes. She really hated me. She seemed suspicious that I was reading books like Clea, Balthasar, and Justine while she was reading Reader's Digest. Before and after I took over for her the switchboard, she would spray it all down with Lysol. When I first took over the switchboard, she warned me in no uncertain terms. You know, this switchboard has 15 lines and one red light, and that red light is Mr. Parsons. And if you don't answer by the third light, you will be fired immediately. And you have to get the person he wants on the phone before you call him back, or he will fire you. Do you understand? I lived in fear of that red light. One day, Gilda Steinmetz was out ill. I had to take over for her all day long. Good morning, Business Film Association. Helene speaking. How may I direct your call? I said this all day long, trying not to look over at that red light of Mr. Parsons that might possibly light up if I was very unlucky. Sure enough, at 3.30 p.m., Blink. Blink. Oh, my God. I had to answer before the next blink. Yes, Mr. Parsons? Get me the witch. Click. The witch? The witch? Who is the witch? I grabbed the Rolodex and looked under W. Of course there was no witch there. I had to call him back, even though I wasn't allowed to. The witch? The witch? It became like a mantra. Only unlike most mantras, it wasn't helpful at all. Um, Mr. Parsons, this is Helene. I I know you know. I'm very sorry. I know I'm not supposed to call you back unless I have the person on the line, but I don't know who the witch is. My wife, goddammit. Click. His wife? I looked under the peas, and in Mrs. Steinmetz's constipated handwriting, I found Mrs. Parsons. hello, Mrs. Parsons, your husband would like to speak with you. Oh, yeah? I kept thinking, the witch, the witch, and guess what I didn't do? I didn't flip the toggle switch so that she couldn't hear. Mr. Parsons, I have the witch on the line. There was a pause, and then, what did she say? The what? Oh, no. I threw off the headphones. I was beside myself. Oh, my God. I'm gonna be fired today, I'm gonna be fired. I will no longer earn $66.23 a week. I'll have to give up my apartment, oh my God. At exactly 4 p.m., Mr. Parsons came through the door. I sat there with my head bowed, waiting for the words that would end my career. He walked past my desk, not saying a word. As he got to the door, he stopped and turned around. I looked up as he tipped his hat to me and smiled. Thank you. I've been meaning to tell her that for years. Mr. Parsons threw another office party when he knew I was leaving. He actually gave me a present. It was a snow globe with Central Park inside. Maria told me he had never given an, empo- an employee a present before. I looked around the room at the people sitting in the folding chairs. Mrs. Gilda Steinmetz smiled at me for the first time. I didn't know she could smile. As I walked out the door for the last time, a snow globe under my arm, I turned and saw Mr. Parker standing in the reception area. He was almost never there except to come in and leave. Looking a little sheepish, he gave me a nod of his head and turned back to walk down the hall to the office. If you liked today's recording, please like and favorite us on Facebook and Twitter. And you can find us at coffeecontrails.com. Thanks.